Welcome to another episode of Muskegon History and Beyond. My name is Wendy Van Workham, and I am the program specialist here at the museum. And as always, we are going to be traveling a bit beyond Muskegon for this one. Today, we're going to be talking about the humble leech and its connection to medicine and what on earth that has to do with Michigan. Over the past few months, as a museum staff, we have been learning about leeches. This is because our latest exhibit is called Bloodsuckers, and it deals with all of those creepy, crawly little parasites that like to suck our blood. Prior to this, most of us would have told you that leeches were the stuff of our nightmares. They live in the dark, mucky water and they ambush you only to suck your blood and then leave you bleeding, sometimes for up to 10 hours. Let's be real, they are not exactly cute and cuddly animals. They are dark and slimy. Ugh. More than one of us has been known to have or have known someone who has run screaming from a body of water due to an interaction with one of these little friends. But even though they are much maligned, leeches used to be sought after for the treatment of just about whatever ailed you. But before we can talk about how they got involved in medicine, we first have to discuss why people thought they would help in the first place. It all comes down to Hippocrates and Galleon. These two Greek men really became the fathers of medicine. They developed a theory of the four humors. This is the idea that in our body we have these humors floating around, and if they were out of balance, we could do different things to try to bring them back into balance to feel better, because if they were out of balance, we were going to feel bad. We were going to be sick. So the four humors were known as blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Now, you might be wondering, how on earth would these get out of balance? Well, they could get out of balance by overindulging in food or drink, not working enough, working too much, changes in the climate or the environment around you. And to bring them back into balance, you might do things like change your diet. You might try to evacuate the imbalance using purgatives, and that would cause you to vomit. Or you might have diarrhea. And then, of course most popularly or more well-known treatment to get these humors back into balance was venesection or to draw blood or bloodletting, however you'd like to call it. In order to let blood out of a person, there are a couple different ways to do it. In the past, people used what was known as a fleam, which is essentially a blade. They don't really have any set design to them. There's a lot of variation in them. And as you can imagine, in the wrong hands, a fleam probably could do a fair bit of harm. But now there's another way to get blood out of a person, and it has to do with our squiggly wiggly little friends that like to live in the muck. Now, leeches will eat until they're full. Uh, they have a three-part jaw that slices into the skin, and then they're able to suck out the blood. The other really neat thing that they have, which is going to be important later, so pay attention, is they have some anticoagulants in their saliva that cause people or animals to bleed freely. So once the leech is full, it takes maybe 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the leech, they just drop right off. Now, one trick with this saliva is that you can bleed up to 10 hours. I wasn't joking. Sometimes even more than 10 hours for some people. As far as bloodletting, leeches have a really elegant design. They really don't take too much. Anybody could put them on and they would fall off on their own. And you just have to make sure that you monitor the bleeding after. People really bought into this, and it was very modern medicine because really it's the first time that people aren't 
believing in some sort of faith-based medicine, right? That you hadn't done something wrong, you hadn't offended a god or anything like that. There was a reason, a physical reason why you were sick. And you see bloodletting and leeches being used throughout ancient Egypt, ancient Babylon, and right on in until the 19th century, like well through the mid-19th century, as a matter of fact. The leech mania hit its peak in France in 1832, and at that point they imported, are you ready for this? 5,491,000 leeches that had a value at the time of 1,724,730 franc, which means that in the time they were worth about 33 franc each. And today, the closest currency calculator that I could find got the value to $2015 was $270 a leech. Can you imagine? And this high value led people to do some crazy stuff. I actually found a newspaper article regarding a story about leech tariffs. And what had happened was some friends were out on a vacation in another country and they were traveling back to France. They went past a lake. They found some leeches, like 200 of them or so, and they brought them across the country and they ended up having to pay a tariff because the leeches were considered imports. Crazy. And what's even crazier is that ended up in a U.S. newspaper because it was a European story. For any of you math geeks out there, if you want to find a better converter or if you want to figure out the inflation to get it from $2015 to today, you go right ahead and please let us know because I'm curious and I'm a history major for a reason. I'm not going to do that math for you. Now, if you think that a leech is a leech is a leech, you would be wrong. So when you're talking about all of these imports, they're really looking for one specific leech, Herudo medicinalis. And this was a leech species that was supposed to be the be-all and end-all of the medical leeches. So much so that in period documents, you'll hear them talking about the horse leech, and they criticize it as being too voracious. They seemed to think that H. medicinalis was more domesticated or more civilized, if you will. Let's kind of turn our sights from the European leeches and kind of that Paris leech mania back to Michigan. What does all this leech stuff and this medicine have to do with us here in Michigan? In the 1830s, as that leech mania was hitting Paris, lots of settlers were starting to move into Michigan. And now, generally speaking, Michigan was considered a fairly healthy or healthful place to move, except for one big problem. And that problem is malaria. Malaria, you say? What on earth? We don't have malaria around today here in Michigan. Well, in the 1830s, there was a significant amount of swampy land in our state. And people were moving in, and there were lots and lots of mosquitoes. And the people that were coming in were coming in from the eastern seaboard where malaria was happening because of all the immigration that was happening and people coming in. And you would think that you've got all these people, some of them carrying malaria, you've got all these swampy, marshy areas. And so you start to see malaria take hold in our local mosquito population. The settlers still really didn't have an idea of where this malaria was come from. And they were associating it kind of with the humoral theory of medicine and bad air. Because in the humoral theory of medicine, not only could an imbalance of humors cause disease, so could your environment. So they believed that it was bad air from these wet swamps and the rotting vegetation, and that was what was causing the malaria. And so they acted accordingly. They would drain the marshes and things like that. They would kind of try to move away from these swampier areas. And did that impact their ability to catch malaria? Well, sure, if they're not by the mosquitoes, 
They didn't realize the connection, really. Now, if you got sick, what would you do? One of the sources I found that talks about the treatment of malaria uh, was a history about the Army Medical Department, 1818 to 1865. And in addition to chinchona bark, which uh, was coming from South America and was very expensive, they were also still recommending bleeding, purging, and vomiting in addition to the bark being administered. Eventually, when quinine comes around, you start seeing bleeding becoming less popular, but still, they're still using it in that early 1800s era. The other reference that I found to using leeches was from the Coldwater Sentinel from Coldwater, Michigan, and it was in the Friday newspaper, January 26, 1849. And It says that to remove the tenderness in the abdomen and the sense of fullness in the head from the violent efforts to vomit, the application of a few leeches to the pit of the stomach and behind the ears, and the following day it may be necessary. In 1849, so this is pretty late to be still using leeches here in the U.S., you're still seeing references to them being used in cholera patients. So another reference that we see in the Jackson Citizen, which is a newspaper from Jackson, Michigan, and this showed up in Wednesday, August 31, 1853, and it's called Fine Times for the Doctor, Soliloquy of a Young Physician. And here's what he says. Considering the damp and muddy state of the streets at this time of year, I am equally amazed and delighted to see the ladies almost universally going about in thin shoes. This elegant fashion beautifully displays the conformation of the ankle joint To the surgeon, it has another recommendation to behold the delicate foot separated scarcely by the thickness of thin paper from the mire. I see the exquisite instep undefended but by a web. I meditate upon the effect of cold and wet upon the frame. I think of the coughs, pleurisies, pneumonias, consumptions, and other interesting affections that must result from their application to the feet. And then I reckon the number of pills, poluses, powders, draughts, tinctures, leeches, and blisters which will consequently be sent to the fair sufferer, calculating what they must come to and wish I had that amount in my pocket. So again, here, they're talking about this idea that by wearing thin shoes and the mud and the mire and just not having a lot between, you know, someone and that mess, that they're going to get sick and need all of these medicinal things, including leeches. And that would be nice for a physician to line their pockets with and having a reliable customer due to the weather in the streets. So what happened to leeches and their use in the medicinal trade? So there were a couple things that happened and they kind of all start happening around kind of the mid 1800s. So the first thing that happens is science. Um, You get other doctors exploring different ideas of medicines and starting to have different theories. And so they start realizing that bleeding is not having the desired effect. Even in the 1830s, there were physicians that were doing research and studies and saying, hey, bloodletting really doesn't help anybody out. It actually probably does more harm than good. Um, And you find some physicians even earlier arguing against the validity of bloodletting. And yet it persisted because it was easy for people to understand the idea. Leeches were available. Anyone could put them on, things like that. The other thing that happens is that Hiroto medicinalis, this leech that everyone is really looking for, gets collected into extinction in some areas, right? They just run out. 
people weren't being careful about how many they were taking out. There was a big run on it. People were making money. So they tried to take care of them. And the other thing is they just really weren't successful at breeding these leeches. So that made it hard. So yeah, so these are some of the reasons why we see that leeches start to fall out of favor. The main one really is science. But they did come up with artificial leeches, which if you want, maybe we'll post some pictures. So Michigan and leeches, they were probably used here briefly, at least for a while, and then not as much. Um, Muskegon didn't even really have our first official doctor until 1849, and that was Charles McSherry, and his office was up above the Ryerson store, just for a fun little tasty tidbit of history. The all-time best article that we found was in the Kalamazoo Gazette, Saturday, May 24, 1879, and the headline is Loosed Leeches. And basically, what had happened was there was an overnight train going from Vienna to Berlin. And a lady woke up shrieking, insisting that she had been stabbed with sharp instruments in several places. She wouldn't submit to an examination. The guard was just unsure what to do. And so they went around looking on the train. Eventually, they followed a gentleman who was searched because he was also bleeding. And it turns out that there were six massive leeches eating um, on one of his legs. And the lady fainted, uh, had to be left behind in the care of a local doctor. It evidently appears that one of the other passengers, not this lady or the gentleman, had brought a jar of leeches onto the train and they got loose and quote unquote, they escaped and did the mischief, end quote. So yeah, that is the all-time best leech article that we were able to find in any of the Michigan newspapers. Now, the other thing that we found in the Kalamazoo Gazette is that there were two, not just one, two pharmacists. In 1856 and 1859, respectively, these pharmacists were advertising Swedish leeches. That's right, Swedish leeches. So they still showed up amongst all of the other stuff. So these wholesalers, Lapham and Mills, as well as James P. Clapham, were selling paints, oils, glass, dye stuffs, pure brandy, wines, tar pitch, turpentine, camphor, um, artist colors, patent medicines, fancy articles, shoulder braces, and Swedish leeches. So even though they might not have been as popular and were falling out of popularity in the 1850s, right up until 1860, you're seeing them advertised still as a medicinal item. Now today, believe it or not, the FDA in 2005, I believe, actually recognized the leech as a single-use medical device because even though they are not helpful for curing diseases, they are very helpful in helping reestablish circulation sometimes. When surgeons can't do microvascular surgery on skin flaps, or if they have reattached like fingers and they're having issues with clotting, believe it or not, they can order a medicinal leech, attach that sucker, pun intended, and they can sometimes help solve the issue for people. So the University of Michigan even has a, a leech protocol that you can look up and it shows up online, which is pretty neat. Even though we don't use medicinal leeches in exactly the same way they used them in the past, we do still use them because you know what? Sometimes Mother Nature knows what she's doing and she can do stuff that maybe surgeons can't. Anywho, 
I hope you enjoyed this little twisting jaunt into leeches, friends, because I had a lot of fun researching it. And we think that we need to do a movie called Leeches on a Train. So enjoy and come back and join us for another episode of Muskegon's History and Beyond later. Like I said, this one was a bit beyond, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs>